In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. This sermon has one long point, only one basic point. It's so basic that we may have listened to that gospel and not even considered it, but it's so important that I thought I would want to spend more time on this one point, and it is that Jesus loves his disciples. Jesus loves his disciples. I want to convey the ways that he loves the disciples in this story. And of course, the application is, is that he loves his disciples, you and me, in exactly the same ways. This is, of course, an incredible story. If you didn't get it, this story happens on the evening of the resurrection. The resurrection happened sometime uh, at night, early morning. And this is the day of resurrection, but that afternoon and evening, that's when this actually takes place. And so the timeline is this. The resurrection takes place. The women go to the tomb. They see the vision of the angels. He is not here, but he's risen. They come back and tell some people. And then in the afternoon, Cleopas with someone else, we don't know, it could be Luke, it could be his wife, because Mary, Jesus' mother, Mary Magdalene, and Mary, the wife of Cleopas, is at the actual crucifixion. So anyway, whoever Cleopas is walking with back to Emmaus, uh, that takes place, and then they come back to Jerusalem, And they talk to the 11 and tell them what's going on. And Jesus comes into their presence with the doors locked and says, peace be with you. And that's the first sort of full day and night after the resurrection. Well, Cleopas is headed back to Emmaus, no doubt his hometown. It's seven miles from Jerusalem. I don't know when the last time you walked seven miles was, but that was common for people back then because that's just what they had to do. But that's a long way to walk. Jesus is able to appear and disappear out of the time-space reality that we understand and know about. We don't understand how that works. Jesus is raised in a glorified form that is not subject to the laws of nature as we know them. But all of a sudden, Jesus is with at least Cleopas and this other person as they walk along. And there might be have been other people walking to Emmaus as well. They can't see that it's Jesus. We don't know why that is. Maybe it's their eyes are not allowed to see it. Uh, until later. Maybe they're walking westward into the sun, and uh, as the evening sun is going down, it just makes it impossible for them to see. We just don't know uh, those type of details, but the point is, is that Jesus appears with them, and he goes on a journey with them. Now imagine if you are the Lord of all creation. You've defeated the powers that persecute and corrupt and destroy the creatures of God. 
you have entered into death and then come back out victorious as the Lord of all, what do you do next? Well, Jesus thought that it was necessary to walk along with his disciples. Just let that set in. The Lord of glory is taking time to walk along with people as they make their way back to their hometown. It's very possible that Cleopas wanted to get out of town because he's a part of the followers of Jesus and it didn't turn out so good for Jesus and he probably wants to get out of Jerusalem to let the heat die down a little bit. But Jesus is walking with them, going on that journey with them. Just let that sink in. The Lord of glory is still humble in wanting to be with the disciples that he loves and not overwhelming them or overpowering them, which he easily could have done in his glory. But he's on this journey with his disciples that he loves. And he's on our journey as his disciples here and now. Well, what happens as they journey and they walk along? They uh, are allowed by Jesus to tell their story. Jesus asks a question, what's going on? What are you all talking about? And it says that they stood and were sad. They were sort of in a, a, a stunned state because of what had happened. What had happened was, is that they had hoped that Jesus, who had, they had followed, who they had invested time and money and energy into, that they knew that they were a part of his followers. They were hoping that Jesus was going to have a great victory over the Romans and knock them out of power. And then they could be a part of God's new age, God's uh, reign and kingdom and but the leader died, and so the whole thing has fallen apart. And so just hours ago, they thought that they were going to be on the winning team. They thought that they had really entered into the best thing ever to happen to their whole entire life. But Jesus got grinded away by the Roman machine, and death took its toll. And regardless of what these ladies say... Dead people stay dead. These disciples are just like you and me. We know that dead people stay dead. So this talk about what the women said, we can't really take that for granted. We need to get out of town anyway. And that's where they were. So Jesus allowed them to tell the story. What a great way of Jesus showing his love for them because he allowed their human emotions to be something of, of value and of importance. The story was about Jesus. <laughs> the person who the story was surrounding and, and the whole center of was standing right there. And so Jesus didn't overwhelm them and say, here I am. He allowed them to have their human emotions. And what a gift that is. God knows that we have emotions to process, that we have grief to process, that we have trauma to process, 
that we have ups and downs that we have to process. And the Lord is not tapping his foot. Uh, The Lord is not tapping his foot waiting for us to hurry up and get it over with. The Lord gives us the time that we need to process those events and those emotions and those things that are human because Jesus shares our humanity and understands all of these things. What a beautiful gift that is, that he is giving those disciples time to share their story, to tell what they need to tell, and not overwhelming them with his own presence. The second point on this journey is is that he listens to them. Wouldn't you think that the Lord would say, well, okay, listen up, this is how it is. But no, he takes a humble position and listens to those disciples first. Isn't that incredible? He listens to them before he starts to share what they need to hear. What a great sign of love and humility Jesus is showing. Well, it does come uh, time for Jesus to share what they're concerned about. They were concerned that they thought that Jesus was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And Jesus, it says, opens up the scriptures to them. And from Moses and the prophets and all the way through the entire uh, Old Testament shares how the Messiah was in fact uh, going to live and to die and to rise in order to not only redeem Israel, but to fix a much greater problem. Running the Romans out of town was really not a big deal for the God of Israel. That could have happened, but that was not the true problem. The real issue, the real issue is sin and death. And it took the death of Messiah to enter into death to to defeat it, and it took this offering of life in order to provide forgiveness. And so Jesus is showing them that, in fact, these stories run much deeper in uh, the life of Israel and in the life of the world. And they say later that their hearts were burning inside of them, that they were receiving the explanation for all of these things they were wondering about. Now, I don't know if you're a Bible student or not. Some of you are, I know for sure. But, you know, we love it when someone can get up and explain things that always sort of puzzled us or put the, connect the dots and put all these things together. And this is, of course, what Jesus did for them. And then finally, once they reach, once they reach Emmaus, something significant happens. They're in an ordinary home. And they're at an ordinary meal. And Jesus is with ordinary people like you and me. Just people with strengths and weaknesses, people with quirks, people with problems, people with issues of all different varieties. Jesus is at a normal home, first century style, normal meal, first century style with just first century people. But it is there in the ordinary that he manifests himself by taking bread, by blessing it, by breaking it and giving it to them. 
And it's then in that ordinary, very ordinary meal that their eyes are open to perceive the risen Christ is with them. And then he vanishes. <laughs> you would think, oh, just, just when I figured out who we've been talking to, and he's gone away. But they know. They know exactly who it is. They know that what the women have said is in fact true. And they're so excited about it that they're ready to walk seven miles back to Jerusalem in order to tell the 11. And that's what happens. So they journey all seven miles back to Jerusalem and they find the 11 disciples. And in fact, in our reading from Acts, Peter in his sermon is there with the 11. It's the same group. So they go back to the home where the 11 are. They find out that in fact, Jesus in his great love for his disciples has already seen Simon Peter. And that's very important because Peter was the one that denied Jesus three times the night before he died. And Jesus, the Lord of glory, goes back to Peter and appears to him because he loves him. That's the type of Lord and Savior that we have who is so loving who is so compassionate, so gentle. He is worthy of all of our love and faith and trust and devotion. So he goes back and sees Peter. They tell their story, Cleopas and whoever is with Cleopas. And they say, we've seen the Lord too. We were at this meal at our home in Emmaus and he appeared to us. And it's just after that, that Jesus appears before the 11 and other companions as he enters into the locked doors for fear of the Jews and says to them, does everybody know what he says? Peace be with you. Ah, it's so beautiful. It's so wonderful. Well, Jesus comes to us in our ordinary lives. He wants to be with us in our ordinary daily lives. The truth is our ordinary homes, our ordinary apartments, and our ordinary meals are places that Jesus will reveal himself if we are prepared to allow him to enter in with us. That's part of the great good news. Part of the other amazing news is, is that Jesus in that last supper and in every meal afterwards, will it come to us in the bread and the wine of the Holy Eucharist? So his life, because he is the way, the truth, and the life, his life and presence is available to us as we receive it in this sacred meal, this mystery, this sacrament. So Jesus has provided a way for us to, in fact, enter into his presence in a very ordinary way. I want to finish this outline of how Jesus loved his disciples after his resurrection with this poem. It's by Konstantin Konstantinovich, and it contains many of the themes that we have 
looked at this morning. I knock and wait at the door of your inn. Open the door and let me in. I'm naked, weak, the lowest of low. My road is hard, far must I go. Penniless beggar through the world I roam, knock and wait at many a home. Who will hear my voice? Who will take my load and bid me enter his abode? To such a one I'll come and call him mine, break bread with him and share the wine. You're weak, exhausted from labors and strain. With me, your strength you will regain. With my hand, I shall dry your tears of pain, and you will never cry again. I shall console you, your pain I'll feel, and share with you your evening meal. I knock and wait at the door of your inn. Open the door and let me in. Amen.